Appreciate you this evening. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 tonight. Continuing our series on revival tonight. And uh, one of the reasons <clears throat> for this series is to is so we can know the promises of God that he has made and that we can know a visitation from God beyond just normal activities or our own abilities. That really we're not in this and God helps us. It's actually God's in this and we help him. Do you know what I'm saying? God doesn't need revival. He's, he is revival. He's life. He's, he's, he's everything in that nature. He's not, he's not human. Amen. He's God. And so uh, uh, we need God to break in upon our efforts, <clears throat> doing what we really cannot do, amen. Because if you think about it, we're so limited. Really all we do is we witness. We can't do anything more than that if you think about it. We just tell people what Jesus has done in our lives, amen. If you do that, you are doing as much as you possibly can. You are at the top of, top of your game right there. That you share the gospel with everybody that you meet or everybody you can meet or what, you know how that works out. You know, not every human being, I'm sure. But if, if it works out that way, fine. <laughs> Amen. But my point is, is that that's the most you can possibly do is share the gospel. You know, the church world, you'd be shocked. Probably 5% of Christians tell others about Jesus. That's not very many. Amen. And so God has to help us. Amen. Jesus purchased the right for God to move in the earth, which is the grounds in which we believe God can and will bring revival. Tonight, I want to look at petitioning God for revival, a sermon we entitled, Praying for Revival this evening. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, just one verse of scripture tonight, <clears throat> says these words, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Interesting scripture tonight. We're going to look into this portion of scripture you heard tonight. I want to consider with you, first of all, desperation. And in your, our scripture this evening, as you read this, <clears throat> he's talking about you and I, people who are called by his name. We call them Christians today. We're not the children of Israel, but we are still in the covenant of God. Amen. And so we are the people who are called by his name. And he's, his first thought here is that if, if they will humble themselves, because it does start with humility. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. It's directly from the mouth of God here. He is literally speaking to Solomon the king. Solomon the king asked questions a chapter before. And the whole idea is that he, you know, God's presence is going to be in the temple that they, Solomon had just got done building. 
And what Solomon is saying is, you know what, <clears throat> God, what you're doing now is great. We have dominion. We have peace. I mean, Israel couldn't have been any better than under Solomon's rule. David had purchased most of that. Now Solomon steps in it and he's praying. Uh, you know, he know the prayer. He prays for God's mind to how to guide these people and so on. But he's also asking other questions because he knows people. He understands the situation of life. <clears throat> what if your people sin? What if your people decide not to serve you, God? How are we going to get back to this? Because we can generate away from this. And this is where God gives him this answer. If my people will humble themselves. And that's what God is talking about. Amen. Where he can come down and revive his people once again. And so he's speaking to a people through Solomon this evening. Amen. Making provision for their lives. Amen. Provision to stay alive for God. Provision to stay right with God. Provision to be on the front edge of what God is doing in the earth. And this is a conditional scripture. It's not automatic. Revival is not automatic. It's simply if. If we do nothing, then nothing will happen. If we humble ourselves, God will come down. It means we have to engage ourselves at this point. Amen. We have to engage God and get his attention to what was going on in our lives. It's a picture of desperate men. A desperate need, I should say, to be right with God. That's why you would humble yourself before God. Amen. Even if your emotions don't feel it, it's like, you know what? I need to be right with God. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Interesting scripture. I made a reference this morning. I'll look at that later. But it says, When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as not to destroy him completely. And things went also went well in Judah. This is five chapters later. It's speaking about Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Things have already kind of gone south a little bit under Rehoboam. The, the kingdom is now split between Judah and Benjamin and the ten other tribes. Amen. And so here he is. And uh, 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 he, he's an unrighteous king. He's not a righteous king. He's not a very intelligent man. He took, you know, he took advice from his friends versus the, the men of the kingdom who were, understood the things of God. He threw them under the bus, amen. And yet God is moved by his humility, knowing who he is. And God sees his humility, amen, at that very point where there's something turned in his heart. It's amazing. It doesn't take a lot for God to move. It just takes someone just humbling their heart and saying, God, I want to be closer to you. I know who I am, but I want to be closer to you. And just in that moment, God says, I'm not going to destroy him completely because that's what he was going to do. And things also went well in Judah. We have to recognize our need to be right with God. Recognize our failures and our inabilities. Show true sorrow for our sin in whatever form that might be in. 
turn away from our self-will, our lack of desire, our, our lukewarm hearts and attitudes. Let's be honest, it's not easy to stay on fire for God. I need God to be on fire for God. We can so easily get lukewarm. And, and we're not out doing, you know, ridiculous things or, you know, just, you know, living in the world. I'm not talking about that. You know, the difference between revival and not revival is not, you know, you know, a ridiculous sin and, you know, addiction and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes the difference between revival and the lack of revival is our cold hearts. That God wants to put a fire in our hearts, amen, just that little bit. It can change it from a lack of revival to revival. And it starts with us. It starts right here. When God's people humble themselves and want God's will in their lives at all cost. It's when we recognize our sinful offenses, if you will, that we have in our lives, amen. Recognize the circumstances that might cause offense to God. Instead of turning away, maybe in shame or guilt or who cares, what's the use? We turn to God, amen, in hope and in mercy. God, we're calling upon you. I need you to help me, amen. I need you to do for me what I can't do for myself. You know, you think about it, you started this. It was called salvation. You started this fire in my heart. I got saved, amen. All of a sudden, there was a fire in my heart where I had to tell somebody. I started seeing my sins. I can't do that no more. I got delivered. I got set free. That was his fire he started in my heart. I didn't start that fire. I didn't get on fire for God. I didn't even know what fire for God was. He started the fire. And sometimes the fire burns down. It's like, God, blow upon this, this ember, if you will. Need to kick in our desire to be right no matter the cost, the uncomfortableness of the situation. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. He says the second thing here. He says, pray. They will humble themselves and pray. And this is a desperate call upon God. It's calling on God with insistence. God, you've got to move. Not just, you know, whatever, God. It's like, no, God, you, we need you to move. God, I need you to reach down and be involved. Touch my life. Touch those around me. Recognize that God has to do something. Amen. He has to do what we cannot do. A.J. Gordon said, we can do more than pray after we have prayed. But we cannot do more than pray until we have prayed. God has to move in salvation and forgiveness and healing and deliverance. You know, revival in the Bible, as well as many history, historical revivals that we know about in our history, in England and different places of the world, I tell you, they had their beginnings in prayer. When you go into the Bible, Hezekiah had a great revival. Where did it start? It started in prayer. When he got the letter, amen, here's Israel. They're having a heart. They just got away from a wicked king. And now he sits there and he puts the letter on the altar and says, God, you're going to have to help us. 
Something's got to change in Israel. Something's got to change in us. And he called a fast and they repented, amen. But it started with a prayer meeting. King Asa, before him, amen, they were going to be attacked by the Ethiopians. And uh, the, they were coming against the whole nation of Israel with a million men and 300 chariots. And Asa immediately sets the nation to pray. God, we need you to help us. And God came down, amen, and brought about a great victory. The book of Acts, amen, started in a prayer meeting before the Holy Spirit was poured out. The revival of 1857 to 1859 that started in New York City. It started with six men who gathered at noon to pray. Actually, it started with one man. And then it went to six men. And they met at the old Dutch Reformed Church on Fulton Street in New York City. It triggered a revival in our nation, second to none. It reached over into Europe. Many, many millions of people getting saved. Not just going to church, but getting alive for God. See, if God's people will set themselves to praying, God can change the landscape in a moment. God can turn the page. And this is, this is prayer from a faithful heart that we have to continue to call out to God until He answers that's the idea of effective prayer. Effective prayer affects something. That's the definition. If prayer is effective, something is happening as a result of my prayer. Right? The effective prayer of a righteous man. He uses Isaiah or Elijah as an example. He prayed and he affected the weather for three and a half years. He prayed again at the end of three and a half years and he affected the weather again. The effective prayer of a righteous man. We can and we need to prevail in prayer till God comes down. What we are seeing here is an intercessory prayer where we pray on behalf of ourselves and also others. Revival touches us, but then it moves out to other people. If God can't revive his people, he ain't going to revive sinners. He takes us who are revived, amen. He starts us on fire. And then we get around other people and they get on fire as well. That's the nature of revival. James 5, 16 through 18, confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with our na nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain in the land for three and a half years and six months. Prayed again. And the heavens gave rain. The earth produced its fruit. We start by praying for God to restore our hearts first. So then let's look secondly at preparing our hearts because we find that in our text as well. As you look at our text, right, if my people will humble themselves and pray and first of all, seek my face. Seeking God's presence. That's what we're praying for. His face, his very 
presence, right? If you're seeking his face, you're seeking his presence. We need his presence in our service. We need his presence when you come down to pray. We need his presence in everything that we do. So we seek his presence with our whole heart. Amen. It, it's, it's, it means to like seek God with all your heart for a deeper relationship or a picture of a deeper commitment to the purposes of God. To move beyond the status quo in myself or the status quo in the church. We know that this is true. We know this is true because we've had times in our lives where we've been desperate. Times in our lives where we've called out to God, amen, and it's like God has come down. It's like you're praying. It's like, God, I need you. Like, no kidding. This is not a dry run. This is like, you see the mess that's going on. You see me. You see my situation. And there's times in our lives, you know it, I know it. We've prayed, oh God, you've got to come down. We've sought his presence. Not just a nice prayer that, you know, oh here, throwing up a little prayer. And you know, if you, could you do this? Could you do that? It's like, oh no. You need to come down, God. I'm in a desperate situation. And God has. God has showed himself strong. I've had a few times, man, I'm telling you, God has visited me. But those times, but you know what they were preceded with? They were preceded with me crying out to God. Like everything's set aside. Everything's off the table, man. It's like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need you to come down. Amen. Not just the status quo, Amen. And many times, you know, it's, it's, it's a time where we, we, we desire more strongly, if you will. You'll, and you'll notice the change immediately. There's an engagement of passion that is involved when we talk about seeking God's face, which usually means to turn away from other things of less importance, discipline ourselves, possibly, amen. We could simply say we're getting serious with our walk with God. I mean, you think about it, those men that started that revival in New York City, they were Christians. They were Christian men who were praying. Somewhere, some along, somebody just, you know, whatever it might have been, he said, you know what, I'm going to start taking my time every lunch to pray for revival. And, you know, it started slowly, but before you know it, people were joining him. Before you know it, they were doing it every day. <clears throat> they were stepping into this thing. Something got a hold of his heart, just like it gets a hold of your heart from time to time. You know, sometimes we're just going along, amen. And something just moves in us. It's like, you know what? I need something more than this. I'm settling. I'm not feeling the fire. And it's just human nature, amen. It really is. It's part of what we are, amen. Amen. God has to start the fire, and then we kind of call upon him to continually to blow upon that fire. Just like the apostles, right, in chapter, chapter 4 of the Bible, when they said, you know, God, you hear their threats. And what did God do? Amen. Immediately he poured out the Holy Spirit. He poured out the fire on them. And you say, oh, they were already on fire, but they realized something was slipping. They're hearing all the bad reports. They're hearing all the assaults against their lives, 
and all the things that are going on. They say, oh God, don't let this thing die down. Don't let it die in me. And God poured out the Holy Spirit. They were filled, the Bible says, with the Holy Spirit. But they were filled in Acts chapter 2. That's what I'm talking about. God is breathing upon him. Amen. See, it's putting a passion in our relationship with God, showing your devotion through faithful prayer. It's a, it's a deep desire, again, to do what is right, to experience God's presence. It's a fresh commitment to God and his plan for your life. The church, the world around us, amen. There's, there's also confidence that God rewards those that seek him. Then he says again in our text, when we're talking about preparing our hearts, he says to turn from your wicked ways. Well, that's repentance. And repentance is that highway that goes to our hearts. It means to change the way you're thinking as well as change the direction of your life. You know, we can get some real funky attitudes. You, you know what I'm saying? We can. Uh, you don't have to read your Bible every day. Why don't I read a little bit more every other day? We just get, we do. We, do. we, we get real, we, we compromise so easy. We lay down our sword so easy, don't we? We have to pray every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every day. Like every 24 hours I got to pray. I mean, you know, is that a little obsessive? what we do. Means change the way you're thinking. Change the direction you're like, you know, it might mean to establish like they do in the war a no-fly zone. Places you don't go. Places you don't even fly over. Oh, I'm just going to check so and so and see how they're doing. Why? <laughs> Why? Well, you know, I care about people. Oh, give me that garbage. You need to set up a no-fly zone. I ain't going to fly over this one anymore because you know where it's going to go. You know. Oh, I'm just going to text so-and-so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, give, give me your little bleeding story about, you know, care and, and you know, all. don't. Don't even go there. Amen. Turn. Turn from it. It's interesting that the Bible says, turn from your wicked ways. You know what he's talking to? He's talking to the children of God. He's talking to you and I. It's good to keep on the desk of your mind, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Paul said in Romans chapter 7. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 gives us a little bit better picture. The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is your heart. Just thought I'd make that application this morning, this evening. <laughs> Amen. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. He's talking to me. Who can know it? Apparently, we don't know it as well as we think we do. I, the Lord, search the heart. He knows. Amen. I test the mind. He knows exactly what's going on. Even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruit of his doing. Message translation. 
The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart, examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Oh, I'm just, oh, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not. New Testament constantly warns against walking in the flesh, lust of the flesh, make no provision for the flesh, the weakness of the flesh, and it goes on and on and on. It was amazing when I was looking at it. I didn't realize it was so much. It's like almost every writer of the New Testament talks about the flesh, the old nature, amen. There's a need for us to be well-informed about our spiritual state. Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Good scripture to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, the psalmist felt he needed to pray that. It wasn't like, I got this. If I see a wicked way, I'll deal with it. He's like, no, no, no. The heart is deceitfully wicked. God, search my heart. Show me. Show me myself. One of the greatest revelations we can get is who we are on a constant basis. Show me my heart, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. See, repentance, again, is the highway to the heart. It's, it's also the beginning of a revival in the same heart. Repenting of going our own way, resisting God's will, or better yet, asserting our will. It means forsaking specific sins or anything that has taken priority over God. It also means that we trust God for his forgiveness and for his cleansing. And we're talking about petitioning God for revival. So let's consider desiring God to move, thirdly. Because I find in our text the same thing. Again, in our text, it comes down to that God would get all the glory tonight. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, Peter spoke how God was doing what they were seeing and experiencing. He said, this is that, that being God coming down to touch and to change and to transform lives. Some said they were drunk, amen. Like they're just a bunch of people that are excited over a bunch of nothing and that they're just getting people's attention. No, Peter said, no, this is revival. This is a move of God, amen. God is doing what we cannot do. He's getting our attention. He's giving glory to God, amen. The apostles and those in the upper room were the first to experience revival. Then those who, who got their hearts right afterwards. In other words, they went through the city full of God. Many more people were saved, healed, delivered. And God was glorified in everything that went on. Every, even even with, with the growing opposition, souls were being saved. Disciples were being multiplied. See, revival glorifies God. It's not to glorify us or our ministry or our church. It glorifies God. He is lifted up. People are turning toward Him. Simply a desire for more of God. Talking about God being manifested visibly by the Holy Spirit. We, take, we talk about revival because God, God's people constantly need revival. When we're revived, we're more effective in calling, calling out to, to people with the gospel. We're more effective sharing the gospel when we're revived. 
Sometimes you can go months without telling anybody about Jesus. And it's like God wants to revive you because once you're revived, you start telling people about Jesus. You start sharing the gospel, the very thing that we can do. And the only thing that we can do. I can't save anybody. I can't convict anybody. Make them feel real bad. Probably get a black eye. You know, I don't need that. I just need to share the gospel. People get saved. Get my face punched in. It's like, God, I need you. I don't need to wear, wear a little thing with the boxers wear, you know. Come on, man. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Come on, dude. It's like, come on, man. I need, I need the Holy Ghost. I need God to come down. You get beaten up too long. late for that. So we need a life-transforming encounter with God from time to time, a filling of the Holy Spirit. Revival, the history of revival, really is God's way of keeping the work alive. This is how God keeps the work alive in the earth. Revival. Wesley, revival. Evans, revival. Luther, revival. God revived men. And again, there was the push of revival. Things would die. Push of revival. Finney, revival. That's what's good. The Jesus people movement, it was revival. That's how God keeps this thing alive. Amen. He continually revives it. Scripture says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, revival it's always possible, amen, because God is on the throne. He's good. He desires men everywhere to know him. That is there all the time. In our text, God promises three things when we pray for revival. First thing is, he promises to hear us as we pray for him to come down. When we humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, repent, God says, I will hear your prayer. In fact, the first evidence that God's bringing revival is he answers our prayers. He answers our prayers. Amen. He listens to our desperate cries and responds with compassion. He hears our prayers. Amen. And he moves and he answers. You know that you know. He listens to the desperate cry. Amen. He he's moves. Uh, uh, he, you know, as we start to intercede for others' needs and situation, God starts to answer those prayers. 1 Kings 21, 29, as I said this morning, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. This wicked king gets God's attention simply by humbling himself. And God is moved. How much more God's people when they will lay hold of God, you and I. This man can get God's attention. We can get God's attention. Amen. Secondly, God says he will forgive. With forgiveness comes cleansing from sin. It comes the transformation of our lives. It comes changing our lives. God restores favor and blessing, peace and power back to you and I. Listen to what he says in Psalms 85, 9 through 13. He's praying for revival. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace 
have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and he shall, he shall make his footsteps our pathway. This is God's answer to praying for revival. And the third thing he says, as we pray for revival, he says he will heal their land. Starts by bringing a refreshing to our hearts, amen, a real healing, if you will, spiritually. And when God's people get right, it affects everyone around them. I remember talking with Joel Robinson as I brought this up before when he was pastoring in Spokane, Washington in the early days when I was in Coeur d'Alene. And he was, got saved in Gallup, New Mexico, and he talked about how they never had outreaches. He said, we didn't even know what outreaches were. He said, we didn't even know what concert scenes were. He said, in the early days, people got saved. We left church, and we would walk through our city and tell everybody about Jesus. It's a small town, amen. They turned the city upside down. That's what they did. They didn't have impact teams because no other churches were around. They didn't have anything. They just told people about Jesus. They were on fire for God. They had great revival. And the revival was fueled by them being on fire for God and telling others about Jesus. The church grew to like 500 people. And if you've ever been to Gallup, I'll tell you what, you'd be shocked. I don't even know how you find 500 people in Gallup. <laughs> find a lot of other things. I don't think it's changed. I don't think it's changed in all these years. Still, it's a powerful church. It started in revival. He said, we didn't even know what it meant. He said, we just, to us, living for God was telling other people about Jesus. See, they got revived. That's what salvation is. They went from death to life. That's reviving, right? So if you find a dead body and you breathe into them or whatever, however you do it, and they come back to life, you've revived them. And when they sit up, they've got revival. <laughs> They'll shout, hallelujah. I got revival. I'm alive. That's what salvation is. It's just revival. And they took it to everyone around them. See, God brings a spiritual awakening to us. He brings spiritual salvation to all the others that don't know him. And the healing just doesn't stop there. It affects the land. It affects the environment around them. The Bible says when they went into Samaria, people were getting saved and the, the city was filled with great joy. Here's a quote for you. Following the revival of 1905, crime virtually disappeared in London. The police had little to do, so they formed quartets and sang at the revival meetings. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Where's the police? They're up on the stage singing. We can't do anything, so we'll sing for you. <laughs> Every... Every great revival virtually started with prayer. Amen. It started with people petitioning God for revival until they got an answer. Our text is a promise, but like most promises in the Bible, it's conditional on the little word if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. 
Meyer Perlman said these words. He said, when a preacher and his congregation sow the proper revival seeds, prayer, holy living, active and intelligent effort, they will reap a revival. Harold Fisher, Fisher, he writes a book called Reviving Revivals. He said this word, he said, this is certain. Prayer was the one method that obtained, that obtained in every revival. The greater the prayer, the greater the results. In praying, praying, we get into the presence of God and are brought into the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a leader furnishing the impetus of all revivals and the wisdom of his method never fails. He can direct a praying people to the proper use of the proper methods if they will prevail. Praying for revival. Amen. Let's bow our heads this evening. Praise God. As we're looking into the scriptures, amen, in our series on revival. Revival in its simplest form would be just simply salvation. When God saves us, we go from death to life. We go from dead in our sin to alive to God. There's a fire that started in our hearts. Nothing can compare to it in all the world. It's called salvation. And out of that, we reached other people because we're on fire for God. How about you this evening? Are you right with God tonight? God wants to start a fire in your life. He wants to revive you this evening. Amen. Take you from death to life. Give you life. Amen. And that more abundantly. That was the promise of Scripture. That Jesus would come. Spoke like no other man. Amen. Touched people's lives. Lives were changed by the touch of God. That's what God does. That's revival. Just precious salvation that comes to our lives. If you're here this evening, you're not saved. Let God touch you tonight. That's what salvation is. It's God's coming down. I remember thinking before I got saved, it's like, God, I can't come to you because I don't know where you're at. By definition, if you want to know me or me to know you, you're going to have to come to me. That's what God does at salvation. He comes down. He does what we cannot do. He forgives you of your sin. He washes you clean. Gives you a heart of fire that wants to live for Him and serve Him. Are you saved this evening? If you're not saved tonight, you can pray. Simple prayer. God made it so simple that we can repent and turn to Him. Believe His Son. And we can have salvation. If that's you tonight, you don't know Jesus, just lift a hand. I don't know Jesus. I need to pray tonight. Here's my hand. Will you pray for me? Maybe you're backslidden away from God. Because like I said, we can, we can drift. We can move away from God. And sometimes we move away in a bad way. It's like, God, I need to rededicate my life to you. I'm backslidden. I'm away from you. And I want to come home to you tonight. If that's you, you're backslidden, lift a hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? My heart's not right with God. Christian, tonight, we're talking about praying for revival. 
We're talking about petitioning God for him to come down and to move, first of all, in our hearts, to start a fire in us. Sometimes we can fall into places of complacency and it's it's just our hearts. It's who we are, amen. We need a constant reviving from God. The Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to be, be being filled. It's a conscious effort. God, fill me. Fill me today. Do for me what I cannot do for myself. I can't bring this on. Amen. I need the Holy Ghost to electrify me. Fill me with you, God. Start your day with the Holy Ghost filling you up. God, what, do you, what would you have me to do today? God, who is in my path today that I can share the gospel? It could be many different things, amen. But like our scripture says, and then I'll open the altars, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, God says, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Amen. This won't just stop right here. It'll move out. Just like when Rehoboam humbled himself, the Bible says Judah was at rest. They had peace in Judah. Amen. It's amazing how the king just turned his heart a little bit and how it affected all those around about him. That's what we're caused to do. That's, That's all we can do is affect other people with what we have. Witness tell people about Jesus. Let's stand this evening. These altars come tonight. Lay hold of God. Let God help us this evening. Amen. Make a conscious effort, even in your own life, to pray for God to come down. Pray for revival. Even in your prayer in the mornings or whenever you pray, man, put it on your list. God, bring revival. Send your fire to the earth. God, touch me. Catch me on fire. Let me, amen, catch others on fire for you. I want to do your will, amen. God, I want to be effective for you. I can't do that on my own. I can't do that in my own ability. But God, with you, with you, God, amen, I can affect other people for heaven. God, affect me. Put the fire in me tonight. Amen. Let's pray this evening. We're going to sing. May my prayer be set before you.
you're at the altar tonight, let's stand. Amen. I want to pray this evening. Let's believe God, amen, to take this to another level. It starts like every revival starts. It starts with a man who says, you know what, I'm going to use my lunch to pray. It starts with people, just a desire, something fires, just starts in any one of us, amen. It's, it's never, it doesn't even have to be high flyers or who you might even think. It can be any one of us. It can be all of us this evening, amen. I want you to pray with me. Oh, God in heaven, help me to consciously desire and contend for you to come down, to pour out your spirit in revival fire. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit that I might affect others with the gospel, that there be signs and wonders moving through our lives. God, that we can touch this city, touch our families. God, touch all those around us on our jobs. God, make us effective tonight. God, you come down. God, help us to contend until we hear from heaven. God, use us in a mighty revival. Amen. That will start right here and spread throughout the world. God, touch us tonight. We believe your promises this evening. Oh, God, fill us with the Holy Ghost. God, there will be effectiveness in all that we do. Your power would go throughout everyone that we touch. In Jesus' name. Let's give him praise. Father, we need you tonight. God, that you would pour out your spirit this evening. Oh, God, minister tonight the Holy Ghost. Raise up laborers for the harvest field, oh, God. Oh, touch every one of us tonight, God, with your Holy Ghost to move and minister in the name of Jesus. Amen. Contend. Amen. Prevail in prayer. Don't think any other way. God, you've got to move. God, we need you to move. Amen. Don't lose heart. It's so easy to lose heart. Don't be disheartened. Contend. Every chance you get. Oh, God. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Make me effective. Be tuned on. You know what I mean? I, I can remember the days when I would go to prayer in the morning and I, and, I, and I would have all these people. Oh, God, give me favor with Alex. God, give me favor with, with this guy and that guy. God, help me. Give me an open door with this person. It was always on my mind. Every time I went to work, it's like I had a harvest field. And it would drive me crazy. It's like, God, cause me to open my mouth and speak your word. And it's fearful sometimes, especially when you're the only one there. You feel it. You feel the intimidation. It's like, God, don't let me be intimidated. That's a work of hell. And, you know, numbers of people bringing them out to church, talking to people. I remember sitting down with the guy, and I was going to witness to him, and he goes, don't even, don't even start. I thought, he was a rough character. 
He said, listen, he said, of all the people that I've met, he said, you're one of the first Christians I've ever met. He said, uh, he just kind of blew it all off. He said, listen, I, I think what you have is great. I just don't want it. And I do believe you're living for God. I believe I made impact. I don't know where this will ever go, how it turns out. But that day, man, it just, it just told me that, you know what, I was making impact, even though I didn't feel like I was making any impact at all. Sometimes you feel so hopeless and helpless. Don't give in. Don't give in to that, Amen. You continue being on fire for God. Amen. Don't let the world take away your fire. And I'll tell you what, that's, that's the seedbed of revival. That's the seedbed of revival right there. Amen. Let's believe God for great things. We have the tiger by the tail. We have such a new beginning right here. We really do. We have something real precious that we've stepped into in our new place, new city. We have places we don't even... You know, we're, I was just talking to Phil yesterday. You know, this place is, we don't even know. People we haven't even talked to. It's ripe. It's ripe. Amen. Let's touch our city for Jesus. Amen. Touch everybody you know. See what God will do. Amen. Let's bow our heads this evening. Let's close in a word of prayer. Phil, would you close tonight for us? Oh, Father, we thank you tonight, God, for the power of this message, God, that we can go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Challenge God that we can lay hold of heaven in prayer. God, affecting this area, this community, this church, God, we believe you for this. We pray this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you tonight. God bless.